It's the mid-90s, and biochemist Kadalin Kariko has a problem. She's convinced there's a molecule in the human body that can be used to fight diseases like cancer. But nobody wants to fund her research. And because of this, she's about to lose her job at the University of Pennsylvania. But then one day, she runs into a colleague at the photocopier. Drew Weissman is working in an entirely different field. He's focused on vaccine research. But he's interested in Catalan's work, and so he invites her to join his lab. That molecule was mRNA. And that meeting helped spark a chain of events that would change everything. Today, how this serendipitous moment at a photocopier would help guide us through a pandemic 25 years later. It took capital and effort to want to put money into this. It took urgency of a deadly disease to get people focused and paying attention to this. You're listening to Invisible Forces, an original podcast from Jeffries. I'm Shannon Murphy. This season's all about one invisible force, the alchemy that brings about life-saving innovations in healthcare. Throughout history, scientific breakthroughs have relied on investment of money, of time, of research and ingenuity. The payoff's not always obvious or immediate. But what looks like failure in the short term can and often will ultimately change our lives. It's this hopeless optimism that's behind each of the stories we're going to be telling this season. And today, we're sharing one strand of these stories that helped bring mRNA into our common lives. It's the news many have waited months for. Pharmaceutical company Moderna called its COVID vaccine a success. Today, BioNTech announced clinical trials showing its new mRNA vaccine is up to 90% effective. You probably heard headlines like these in November of 2020. A new vaccine against the COVID-19 pandemic had proven effective in stage three trials. In these days, you can't read the news without seeing a story about mRNA vaccines. But before last year, most of us had never even heard of mRNA. And no wonder. Even though researchers started working on this decades ago, it's been waiting in the wings for its time to come. Few believed it was good for much. And funding wasn't necessarily easy to come by. So how did mRNA end up changing the course of history seemingly overnight? It's literally been uh, an overnight success, decades in the making. It seemed like such a fast development. After all, at the time, COVID-19 was a brand new virus. But this story is the result of decades of work. One of the people who's been doing that work all along is Dr. Kadalin Kariko. She's the researcher we learned about at the top of the show. She knew that messenger ribonucleic acid or mRNA as we all know it now, works by telling our cells what proteins and antibodies to make to keep us healthy. She was determined to figure out how to use this process to help us fight disease. But as you heard, until the 1990s, not many people were buying into this idea. That is, until the chance meeting at the photocopier. 
She didn't have a permanent position at the University of Pennsylvania. There was a lot of skepticism around the whole concept of using messenger RNA as a therapeutic and as a vaccine. Thomas Madden's a biochemist and a friend and colleague of Catalan Caricos. He can explain why the work she and Drew Weissman did together was so important and just how serendipitous their meeting turned out to be. You see, as the two were starting their work together, there's a huge hurdle to using mRNA as a therapeutic. They have to make a version of it to use as a treatment or a vaccine, a synthetic version. But your body will treat foreign mRNA like an interloper and try and fight it off. They quickly realized that uh, synthetic mRNAs triggered all sorts of adverse immune reactions within cells. Figuring out how to stop this immune reaction became a mission for Drew and Catalan, or Katie, to her friends and colleagues. And after a decade of work, they made a breakthrough. mRNA is basically a string of nucleotides all joined together. And Katie and Drew came up with the idea of using modified nucleotides to try to overcome the uh, natural defense mechanisms with inside cells when they see uh, a new RNA. And, and that worked remarkably well. They basically tweak the mRNA so it could sneak past the body's defenses and into our cells. This is one of the discoveries that laid the groundwork for much of the mRNA research that came after. So by 2005, Catalan and Drew figure out how to make mRNA safe and effective. But there's still a crucial component that's missing. And this is where Thomas Madden starts to play a role in our story himself. Thomas is the CEO of a company called Acuitous Therapeutics. That's how he came to know so much about Catalan and Drew's work, and how he helped in the next chapter of the development of the COVID-19 vaccines. Katie and Drew recognized that mRNA needed a delivery system. They knew how fragile it was in the body. They knew it couldn't get into cells by itself. Luckily, Thomas had been working on this part of the puzzle for decades, but without knowing the role it would play in our story today. His company, Acuitous Therapeutics, makes the lipid nanoparticles that serve as the mRNA's delivery system. Initially, he helped develop these nanoparticles in the 1980s to help improve the effectiveness of anti-cancer drugs and reduce their side effects. One of the problems with anti-cancer drugs, for example, is that they often cause side effects, toxic side effects, when they're exposed to healthy tissues and organs. And so we put anti-cancer drugs inside these vesicles to try to deliver more of them to the tumor site where they're needed and less of them to healthy tissues and, and organs. And here's why this is important for the mRNA vaccines. mRNA is really fragile. Without the right delivery system, it would just get destroyed by our bodies in seconds. Thomas has a great analogy about how his lipid nanoparticles work. The analogy is, imagine you wanted to purchase a, a very fragile glass ornament. You wanted to purchase it online and have it delivered to your home. If you used the equivalent of the Acuitous delivery technology, then the ornament would be packaged such that it would be protected no matter how rough the journey was. The package would find its way to your house. It would open your front door by itself. It would let itself in, and then it would unwrap the ornament and, and leave it sitting in your hallway ready for you to come along and pick up. Now our story is really taking shape. 
Threads of ideas that started way back in the 1980s have been expanded and improved. We're ready to now bring the story of mRNA full circle back to the start of 2020, as the world was becoming aware of a looming pandemic caused by the COVID-19 virus. Catalin Carrico is now working at a German company called BioNTech. It was founded by scientists Uger Shahin and Aslam Terechi in 2008. At the time, they wanted to explore the potential of mRNA for use in cancer immunotherapy. One morning in early 2020, another chapter in this unlikely success story begins. It was on the 24th of January, a very specific date. BioNTech co-founder Uger Shaheen's reading about this mysterious new virus that's been reported in a British medical journal called The Lancet. What really caught Uger Shaheen's attention was that one member of the family tested positive for this new virus but had no symptoms. And that is the worst case scenario for epidemiologists that this deadly pathogen can circulate without anyone noticing. And the way he tells it is that he told Islam Tarechi that we already have a pandemic and no one knows it yet. Joe Miller is a reporter for the Financial Times and the author of The Vaccine, Inside the Race to Conquer the COVID-19 Pandemic. The book is all about the creation of BioNTech's vaccine. And that day in January, the founders of BioNTech made a crucial decision that would ultimately help guide the world out of the pandemic. And then on that weekend, they decided to devote significant amounts of resources to building a vaccine. I know this sounds like a mythic origin story. Joe Miller knows it too. As I was writing this, I was worried that people would be thinking that this is impossible and I was making it up. But I've seen the emails that they sent to each other and I've heard lots of other people's accounts that they spoke to at the time. So Ugar Shaheen and Aslam Terechi are committed to making the pivot to develop a vaccine. But it wasn't just up to them. Since BioNTech went public in 2019, they had a board to convince. They had shareholders to be accountable to. And so the first call that Ugar Shaheen made on that weekend was to the chair of the supervisory board, who represents their biggest investor, saying, look, there's this new virus, and I think it's going to be a big deal, and here's why. Two years later, their choice seems obvious. But in that moment, it was a hard sell. We're talking about a company that had close to $500 million in debt at the start of 2020, looking to spend $2 billion more on a vaccine against a disease that had just emerged and using a technology that had never before been used in an approved drug. Joe says that this investment in BioNTech was a game changer. And it was a crucial piece of the unexpected success story. If you looked at the world's biotech companies on paper, there was no reason whatsoever you would believe that biotech would be the one to develop an infectious disease vaccine in record time, because that's not what they were known for. They were known for by investors and um, by the uh, venture capital community and by scientists as primarily a, a cancer immunotherapy company. Fortunately, they did have a few things going for them. One was a collaboration that was already in place. BioNTech was working with the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer on a potential flu vaccine. So they weren't starting from scratch when it came to working on vaccines. And if you think that's incredible, that all of these elements were starting to come together at the right time, here's another point. Remember Thomas Madden and his company Acuitas? They were also working with BioNTech at the time of the COVID-19 outbreak. 
Katie was the person at BioNTech who convinced them that they had to be working with Acuitas Therapeutics and really pushed for the collaboration with us. Um, and of course, that collaboration was then incredibly successful. But they needed a lot of convincing from Casey that we were a company that they should be working with. But if that hadn't happened, then again, the collaboration with us on the COVID-19 vaccine wouldn't have happened or would have been much more delayed because, again, we were working with BioNTech. Um, we had been for a couple of years before COVID-19 came along. And so, again, they were a, a pre-existing partner. It was easy for us to engage with them and then to quickly bring the vaccine into clinical development. Author Joe Miller picks up the tale again. So it all came together at just the right time. And really, people always ask the question of how come we went from last produced a vaccine in, in five years, and that was a record, to producing one in 10 months. And the truth is we didn't produce one in, in 10 months. We produced one in 30 years. Now you know the unlikely story of the mRNA vaccines that are helping to guide us out of a pandemic. So it really is a perfect example of how innovation happens in science. It really happens in pieces, and then all of a sudden, these pieces come together to form a coherent picture or a coherent product. And just because mRNA vaccines are out in the world now, it doesn't mean that's the end of the story. There could be a whole other chapter in the future of mRNA technology. The pandemic really supercharged and accelerated what was going to happen over, frankly, five or 10 years into literally a year. And the ability to prove that technology works and uh, obviously is a huge breakthrough all happened with the resources, capital and urgency that was required of the pandemic. That's Mike Yee. He's a managing director and senior biotech analyst at Jefferies. It took capital and effort to want to put money into this. It took urgency of a deadly disease to get people focused and paying attention to this. And so what I think is great about this is that the pandemic will have accelerated significant development of mRNA because now there's lots of capital being poured into it. There's lots of interest in running clinical trials. And so uh, all of that, I think, is, uh, is going to be very exciting. And I'm very hopeful um, that some of that will play out in an accelerated pathway through gene editing and gene therapy and cell therapy, because all it takes is one drug to work or one or two drugs to work, or a proof that it's working. And then all of a sudden, it's a huge breakthrough. And uh, it's almost like a tidal wave of development. So the pandemic created the pressure cooker conditions for incredible innovation to happen really fast. But it required unflinching and forward-thinking decision-making. Here's journalist Joe Miller again bigger problem we would have had if Uba Shaheen and Islam Tarechid had not decided to devote their efforts and their company's efforts to developing a COVID-19 vaccine is that uh, perhaps mRNA technology would not have received this public vindication at such a crucial point in history. And the implications of this go way beyond mRNA's ability to help stop this pandemic. Ugar Shahin's decision to focus BioNTech's resources on the COVID vaccine will ultimately have an effect on how many other diseases could be treated, or even potentially prevented in the years to come. And we may yet see the fruits of that in the next few years as they uh, redouble their efforts to their original cause, which is cancer therapies, cancer immunotherapies, and indeed 
chemotherapy therapies against a load of other illnesses. For example, they're looking into multiple sclerosis and other degenerative diseases. Thomas Madden of Acuitas has equally high hopes for the next chapter of the mRNA story. What's really exciting is applying messenger RNA um, technology to a number of other viral diseases. The other area that I think is uh, really exciting is the potential to use them to develop more effective vaccines or or effective vaccines against uh, diseases such as malaria or HIV, which have proven incredibly challenging to protect against to date. The COVID-19 pandemic altered the world in countless negative ways. But as Mike Yee said, it created the conditions to supercharge innovation, some of which began with Cuddle and Carico's research back in the 90s. This is ultimately the result of so many strands coming together just in time. What if Cuddling Carico and Drew Weissman hadn't figured out how to use foreign mRNA without an immune response? Or if Thomas Madden didn't complete his work on the lipid nanoparticle delivery system? Where would we be if Uger Shaheen hadn't insisted that BioNTech invest in vaccine development? Or any of the many scientists around the world involved in making the mRNA vaccine work? What if they hadn't chosen that path? It's these what-ifs that mean thousands of parents are still here to go to their kids' graduations and weddings, and scores of seniors are safe to watch their grandkids' Little League games again. That's the alchemy of innovation that keeps us moving forward. I'm Shannon Murphy. Thanks for listening to Invisible Forces. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. See you in two weeks. This podcast may not be distributed or reproduced. The podcast is not research, a recommendation, or an offer to buy or sell. It is provided for information only. Views constitute best judgment as of the published date and may change without notice. The data used is not independently verified. No representation is made as to accuracy, including as to future events or reasonableness of assumptions. Views are those of the individuals identified. Jeffries and its agents are not liable for damage from the podcast. Jeffries is not providing advice as to legal, tax, accounting, or other matters. Additional disclaimers are on jeffries.com.